Hey everybody, it's Pastor Jared. Thank you for being here today, and also thank you to those of you who are watching online. We know you, you tune in every week. We're super happy about that. We got a great service for you today. Uh, we're going to be talking about something we have not talked about in the seven and a half year history of our church, so it should be interesting. But before we get started, I'm going to pray for our service today. God, I pray for those who are hearing today in Boston Common and those who are hearing today online in their homes or wherever they're listening. I pray that you would show up in a surprising way in their life, that there would be truth today, but there would be hope today, that there would be a belief, a growing understanding and knowledge that you want to come into the brokenness of our stories and make all things new. Would you do that for us today? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, Dusty, you're up. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to church. <laughs> we uh, are fortunate enough to have the sunshine out, warming us up. In the meantime, let's uh, let's worship.
you are the way maker, the miracle worker, and you're the promise keeper. God, we thank you that your promises are the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, I pray that as we listen to Pastor Jared speak today, that we take away from it some lessons that we can learn and apply them to our lives. Thank you again for this opportunity to gather, to worship you, and to learn about you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. Thank you so much for joining us. My name is Judith and I am your host. At this time, if you could please take out your phones. We are asking everyone who comes to our service to please check in. All that is required is for you to go to renewalchurchboston.com slash connect and fill out a connection card. We're asking this so that we can stay within the city guidelines the city has set for us so we can continue to meet here. And if it is your first time um, filling out the connection card, there will be a gift sent to you. Um, and, you and it's a really cool gift too. Last week we had our first community group connection event. We were able to form two new groups, two, two new women's and then another's couples group. And they're so much fun, you guys. I would highly re recommend that you join them. All you have to do is go to renewalchurchboston.com groups, and you can also join there. We're also going to have a marriage seminar on October 18th and a single seminar on October 25th. For more information, please check out the weekly email. At this time, I'm going to pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning. I also want to thank you again for the beautiful sunshine. I want to pray that you will be with us as we hear Pastor Jared's words. Please allow it to touch our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey everybody, I'm Jared Kirk, pastor of Renewal Church. Thank you for joining us here today in Boston Common. And to those of you who are watching online, we know there's a lot of reasons why people watch online, whether it's not safe for you to come, or maybe you're in healthcare, or maybe you're a little bit older. And we want you to know that we haven't forgotten about you, and we're glad that you're joining us. So as we get started this morning, I want to share with you, when I was in school, this is uh, about 15 years ago, I was staying in my college on campus. I stayed in the dorms, and I got invited over to the resident director's house for dinner one night. So I go downstairs and it's an apartment that's in the same building. And I walked inside, it was really nicely furnished. They had a, they had a baby grand piano set up. They had the, the table set with plates and everything like that. They were a nice young couple and they had a five-year-old girl and she was hiding behind her mom's leg. Now, I'm the last born in my family, so I never, ever knew what to do with children. But when I saw this little girl in the resident director's house, I thought, oh, this is great. I'm gonna become friends with her and that was my mistake. 
because I, the more I said, hi, how you doing? I wanted her to like me. The more I wanted her to, to like me, the less she liked me. And the less she liked me, the more I was being friendly to her, the more I was friendly to her, I think the more she despised me. I was, I started wondering like, can she sense my character? Is there something in my soul? I was, I, this little girl, she was five years old. She was a total savage. In the end, I had to just call a truce, a ceasefire. We sat dinner, we sat down for dinner and she ignored me for the rest of the night. I don't know if you've ever been defeated by a five-year-old child before, but it, it happens. In my life, I, I didn't know what to do with kids, and I think a lot of it has to do with being a last form. But what that meant was one day when I had children, I had no idea what I was doing. I was shocked. I thought I was a fully functioning adult human being until I had kids. And then all of a sudden, I, did, I, I was surprised at how angry I could get at my kids. I was, I was shocked at how little patience I really had. I was surprised by my lack of self-control or the way that I used my words with my kids because I was so woefully unprepared for that. And there was a lot of pain in that process of becoming a different kind of parent. So here's my goal for you today. My goal is to spare you some of the pain that I experienced when I became a parent. And I know that most of the people in our church don't have children. And so my goal today is not to speak directly to parents, although I think it's gonna be very helpful for parents. My goal is to speak to you in such a way that it's helpful for you today, even if you don't have kids right now. So I haven't spoken on this topic in the seven and a half years that our church has existed because we haven't had a ton of kids. And sometimes parenting seems a little bit distant or irrelevant to the people in our church. And so when you walk out of here today, here's my promise to you. You will be able to apply this teaching to your life, even if you don't have children for another 15 years, or even if you never have children. Because, and I, and I think it matters because it's important that someday you may have children, but also you may be an aunt or an uncle today, or you may be an aunt or an uncle someday. You may have great friends in your life and you wanna invest in their little kids. You might be a teacher and have children in your life right now that you need to invest in. You may be a part of serving in a kids ministry in a church someday, and you wanna be ready to make an investment. So the question is, how do you talk about parenting when no one you're talking to has children? And I think the answer is pretty simple. And it comes from a principle that Jesus taught in the, his really famous Sermon on the Mount, Jesus taught this principle uh, in Matthew chapter seven. Here's what he said. Can you pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. A good tree produces good fruit and a bad tree produces bad fruit. In other words, you reproduce what you are. You teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. Let me say that one more time because that guides our whole time this morning. You teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are. And if that principle is true, then the question becomes whether you're single or you're gonna have children someday or you never have children, the question is, am I becoming the person that I want my kids to be someday? Am I becoming the kind of person that I want my kids to be someday? And if you're a parent right now, it's actually the same question. Am I currently growing and becoming the kind of person that I want my kids to be? And this is so powerfully important because maybe you grew up in a two-parent household where they were never divorced 
and they perfectly were kind and firm with their words all the time. They just did conflict resolution so well. They were never angry, and they were just the world's most perfect parents. Or maybe, like everyone else in the world, you know, your family came with some brokenness. And maybe it was a little bit of brokenness. Maybe it was a lot of brokenness. And there's a lot of hurt and pain in your background as you think about the way that you were parenting. But when you know Jesus, your past is not your future. And what you came from is not a guarantee of where you're going to. That's no longer determined by your past. It is now determined by your Savior. And so there is a different way for us to parent. There is a different way for us to be and live today to become a different kind of parent in the future. And that's why we're looking in the Bible at Deuteronomy chapter 6, which talks about parenting. Now, we're in a series called Relationship Status at the Church. And we're talking about how God can completely change your relationships if you let him. And I just believe this. There are some of you that God is going to change your family tree because of the way he's renewing your life. There's going to be a new branch on your family tree started by you. And it's going to be a righteous branch and a godly branch because of the work God is doing in you. And in this series, Relationship Status, we're talking about how God can improve any kind of relationship in your life. And our church's, our church's reason for existence is that we develop urban people, we develop urban professionals to impact global cities for Christ, like Boston. And the quality of your relationships determines the quality of your influence. And so this matters. So what we're going to do is we're going to read through the text and then I'm going to point a few things out and we'll try to make an application from it. Here's what Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 1 through 9 says. These are the commands, the decrees and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you are crossing the Jordan to possess, so that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you, and so that you may enjoy long life. Hear, Israel, and be careful to obey, so that it may go well with you, and that you may increase greatly in a land flowing with milk and honey, just as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commands that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Now, a couple of things I want to point out from this text, but as I do, here's what I want you to keep in mind. This text is going to talk to us about things that we need to pass along to our children. But as we hear that, here's what I want you to grasp. These are things that you have to possess if you want to pass them on to children someday, because you cannot give what you do not possess. And you cannot lead people down a road that you're not on. So these are three things that you have to possess if you're going to pass them on to children someday. And here's the first thing we get from the text, is we have to possess a healthy respect for God. This text was written by Moses to the Israelite people, and they had been in the wilderness for 40 years. And during that 40 years, God was trying to create a kingdom people that lived in with kingdom values, that depended on him, that worshipped him, that loved him, that, that trusted him for everything. And God was about to send them into the land of Canaan, which was a place where no one shared those kingdom values, where people didn't worship, worship God, they worshipped other gods. And they did not value the same thing that God's people valued. 
And so Moses writes this, and you, you notice his concern is not just, hey, you need to remember what God said, but you need to pass these things on to your children from generation to generation. Otherwise, it's going to be too tempting when you're, when you're in this society that doesn't honor or value God. It's going to be tempting for your children to act like everyone else, to worship what they worship, and to forget the Lord. And to forget the Lord. So one of his primary concerns is that the Israelites pass along to their children the fear of the Lord. He says this in verse 2. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live. Now, fear of the Lord sounds pretty rough to modern ears. When we hear that, that, that has almost no positive connotations at all. But to the original hearers, it communicated something really good. In fact, Proverbs 14 kind of gives you the flavor. It says, the fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. And so when you hear that, you go, okay, so there's definitely something really positive about that when they heard it. And it comes from the Hebrew word yare. And yare means to be afraid of something. And it also means to be in awe or to revere or to honor. Now, it would be easier for me to stand up here and say, it never means be afraid of. That's not really what it means. But the truth is a little more subtle and a little more complicated than that. And I find that Bostonians would rather you shoot straight, even if things are a little more subtle. And so here's what Yare means. It means all of those things sometimes because of the greatness of God. So I'm going to take a risk here and use a very human illustration of this. Because part of the way that you can understand this is in a healthy fathering relationship. Now that's tough because not everyone who's here had a healthy relationship with their father. Maybe you didn't have a relationship with your dad at all, or maybe you had a really toxic relationship or an abusive relationship. But a healthy relationship with a father is what helps to give us this picture. Now, in my life, that's one of the blessings that I had. I had a great dad. He wasn't a perfect dad, but he was a great dad. And he never hit me, he never spanked me, but there was so much respect for him in my life. His words carried weight in my life. His pleasure and approval mattered to me more than anyone else's pleasure or approval. Um, when I was a little kid, if I was doing something wrong, I was afraid of my dad. But I wasn't afraid that he was gonna murder me or kill me or even hurt me. I was just afraid because dad was in charge of discipline and I knew I was doing something wrong. So sometimes it meant fear. But, but most of the time, that's, it didn't mean just fear. It meant something like respect, or I was proud of my dad, or I, I revered him, I looked up to him. It meant all of those things because of how strong and good my dad was. Uh, Jordan Peterson, the famous psychologist, says this, a weak man is not a good man. A good man is a dangerous man who has that voluntarily under control. And I think that gets at the heart of why, when we think of the fear of the Lord, one of the best ways to, to describe that in our modern English is to say having a healthy respect for God. To have a healthy respect for God. That his words carry weight. That his approval is all that matters. That his greatness and his power are awe-inspiring in your life. And so the first question is, you know, do you have a healthy respect for God in your life? If children need that someday, do you possess that? Are you growing in that? When you use the word God, when you use the name of God, is that something that carries weight in your life? Or is it something that's just tossed around casually or used as a curse word? A healthy respect for God means following all of his commandments. 
instead of practicing something like cafeteria Christianity where you kind of go down the buffet line, you're like, oh, I like that part, I like that part, I don't like that part, I'm gonna leave it. A healthy respect for God means following all of his commands. Is a healthy respect for God something you are developing in your life so that you can pass it on someday if kids are a part of your future? Here's the second thing that we need to possess so that we can pass on. Number two, I need a thorough knowledge of God. You know, I never met my grandfather on my, on my mom's side because he was 50 years old when he passed away. And so for me to know anything about him, it all had to come from stories that my mom told me. And something similar to that here is happening with Moses. The generation that Moses is talking to, they've seen God, they have this personal experience of God themselves. They've seen the, the pillar of fire, they've seen the cloud, the pillar of cloud. They've, they've watched God provide for them in the wilderness through manna or through water from the rock. They've had this personal experience of God. But Moses says, you need to pass on to your children everything you've learned. Otherwise, when they go into this new place, this new culture that doesn't have God's values, Right? They're going to lose it because your kids will need their own experience of God. They, we say it this way, you can't ride on the coattail of anybody else's robes through the gates of heaven. You have to have your own relationship with God. And that's why Moses instructs parents to talk about his word. He says, talk about them, and that, by that he means his commandments. When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, pass your knowledge of God onto your kids at every teachable moment. Kids need to know about God because they need their own love for God. And you can't love someone you don't know. It's been that way in my life. I've been married for about 15 years. And the more I know my, life, my wife, the more I love my wife. And so parents have to talk to their kids about everything. They've got to tell them the stories about God's love. Uh, tell them the stories of God's power. Tell them the stories of God's miracle. Parents have to talk about how to live a wise and righteous life with their kids. Parents need to talk about what godly boundaries in sex look like to their kids. Parents need to talk about how do you choose a spouse? How do you choose someone who loves the Lord and is passionate for the Lord? How do you be single well? Who is God? What is he really like? Is he loving? Is he kind? Is he angry? You parents have to teach their kids a thorough knowledge of God. And not once a year at camp, but in every teachable moment. So in the Kirk family, here's what this looks like. It's actually pretty, if you could see it happen in real time, it's pretty underwhelming because I have three little kids. They're four, six, and nine. And so everybody's distracted, right? Like people are, you know, when we sit down and, and talk about a verse of the Bible at the dinner table, people are throwing peas, people are wandering off. Like, it, it's very ordinary life, but here's what it looks like. In the morning, all of a sudden we're homeschooling now. And so, ah, I'm being attacked by a bee, sorry. <laughs> That's gonna look great on video later. <laughs> um, we circle up first thing in the morning. When, and we, we go, we talk about one Bible verse, we talk about a word for the day that we're going to focus on, and we help orient the kids toward, and soften their hearts towards God before we do homeschooling. Um, at at, uh, at dinner time, we sit down and we talk about one verse from the Bible and we share about our days. At bedtime, we read stories together and we pray together before they go to bed. It means that when our kids uh, don't make the team or don't make the squad, we talk about that, that with them, we process that with them, we talk about what God's word says. It means when I have, when I'm experiencing hurt or failure or disappointment in my life, I talk about that with my kids and talk to them about how God's word comes into my life and teaches me. In every teachable moment, kids need a thorough knowledge of God. 
The last thing that we have to possess if we want to pass on to our kids is a passionate love for God. And this comes through so strongly in the text. It's actually a command that Moses gives to the people. You don't think of love as something that can be commanded, but here's what Moses said to the people. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, which is a Hebrew prayer called the Shema. Shema Israel, Adonai Elohenu, Adonai Echad. And it is the core prayer of Judaism. And it's followed by this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and with all your strength. And it's so interesting to me that out of every command Moses could have picked, this is the one he picks. I mean, think about it. The Jewish scriptures have something like 365 commands in just the first five books. And he could have picked a command about boundary stones or about the length of your sideburns or about whether you can eat, mix meat and milk together. But he says, no, here's the one command. You have to love God passionately. And when Jesus later was asked, hey, how do you sum up the entire Jewish scriptures? Jesus said, well, there's, there's a number one commandment, and this is it. Love God with everything you've got. You have to have a passionate love for God. You have to live a God-first life in everything you do. And a passionate love for God is the most important thing your kids will need. When your kids love God, everything else is going to fall into place for them. Now listen, this is powerful, and most people don't understand this. But when your kids have a passionate love for God, God is at work on their heart. And so you don't have to try to over-control their behavior. Because there are deeper things happening in their soul as they pursue the Lord. And so you can trust God's changing power over time in their life. And it, it frees you as a parent to love your kids and not have to overly control them. When your kids have a passionate love for God, they'll end up with a God-sized vision for their life. So instead of just running away from a past they don't want, they'll be running towards the future that God has for them. And those are two very different things. When you run away from the past, you tend to run right back into it. But when you're running towards God's vision for your life, you're running into something beautiful. Your kids will also live, instead of living a self-centered life, they'll tend to live a selfless life, a God-first life where they put others first and they can love others well. So your kids need a passionate love for God. So those are the three things. Kids are going to need a healthy respect for God, a thorough knowledge of God, and a passionate love for God. And so the question is, if Jesus says, you teach what you know, but you reproduce who you are, then are those things being created and growing in your life right now, today? Because you can't give what you don't possess and you can't lead people down a road that you're not on. So as we think about what to do with this teaching from the Bible, I want to dig in just a little bit to the families that we come from before we talk about some final application here. Because um, the families that we come from have profoundly shaped who we are. And if there, are, if there are patterns of brokenness in your family of origin that you don't deal with, you will end up repeating those without even knowing what you're doing. You might be living out pat generational patterns of brokenness and sin in your life completely unaware of it. And, and until you turn and look at the past, it will be difficult for you to move into God's future. So what I did was I wrote down three of the very common types of families I see in our church. And so I want, I, want to, I want to just present these to you. See if you find yourself in one of these types of families. And maybe, maybe it's more than one, right? There's nothing, this isn't, you know, thus saith the Lord. This is trying to explore where we come from so that we can move into God's future together. Here's one kind of family. I call it the Western liberal family. 
in these families, children are seen as inherently good. And a child's primary need is thought to be lack of self-esteem. Therefore, parents communicate that they are proud of their kids for eating a cupcake for breakfast. And their kids are told that they are special, they are amazing, and they will change the world. And ironically, you cannot build self-esteem in, in children by telling them how good they are. The only way to build self-esteem is by actually accomplishing things and overcoming hardships. And therefore, children who grow up in these kinds of families tend to have mental health crises in their late teens and early 20s when they realize they aren't as special as their parents led them to believe. These parents in these families tend to underemphasize the need for their children to be disciplined to drive foolishness far from them. And they underemphasize their children's need for correction from sin. But they do tend to see very clearly that children are made uniquely and differently in the image of God. Or maybe you grew up in a family that was more like this. In some of the families of origin in our church, children must achieve in order to be loved. And no matter what you accomplish, your parents find it almost impossible to be proud of you. In families like this, crushing expectations may lead to anxiety, depression, unfiltered rage. Parents in these families tend to underemphasize the unique image of God in their child and force them into a pre-made family mold of success, usually defined financially. However, these parents often do a good job of emphasizing self-discipline to drive foolishness away from children and sometimes correction from sin. Or maybe it's this third and final kind of family what I call, for lack of a better term, traditional families. In traditional families, the emphasis is placed on respect for elders and community values. Discipline might be appropriate, or it may be overly harsh, using a threat of external punishment to instill community norms. And this can have the effect of driving young people away from the values of the community because the changes in their life are essentially behavioral rather than heart-based. It can be difficult for children from traditional cultures to express the unique way that God has made them if that uniqueness contrasts with the, with the community's vision of the good life. These parents may practice uh, what we would call free-range parenting before free-range parenting was cool, um, underemphasizing the need for discipline to drive foolishness far away from children, but strongly emphasizing the need for children to be corrected from sin so that they can respect elders in their community. I'm not sure if you fit into one of those or more of those. They're just sort of generalities about how families work. But here's the thing, you know, regardless of whether your parents focus more on self-esteem, self-discipline, or respect, we know that there is brokenness in every family of some kind. And it's not the same. There are some families that are healthier than others. We can acknowledge that. But the Bible says that the sins of the fathers are visited upon the children to the third or fourth generation. And that word visited in Hebrew means something like tends to be repeated. And so family sins can be repeated for three or four generations. But I really believe this, that when you follow Jesus and when God is involved in your life, Jesus has the power to break those patterns of sin and create a new kind of healthy family and family tree in your life. Your past does not determine your future. God determines your future because he holds this whole world in his hands. You know, I, I think that we emphasize in our, in our church that 
when Jesus died on the cross, he died so that our sin could be forgiven. And that is 100% true. That is foundational because you can't have the relationship with God that you need in order for him to change you and give you the power you need to have a different kind of family until you have a relationship with his son, Jesus Christ, and he wipes away your sins. But it's also true that Jesus on the cross breaks the power of sin. And so although the devil wants to keep you enslaved to these family patterns of sin that are going to destroy you and your kids, Jesus is greater and he can break that power and create a new kind of family in you. When you have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, there is hope for your family. There is forgiveness for your past, but there is hope for a new and better future and a new and better kind of family. And I believe that starts in your life today. As you embrace that healthy respect from God, as you grow in your knowledge of God, as you grow in your passionate love from God, God renews your life and changes you into the kind of person who will be a great parent if that day comes for you. How do you need to grow today? You know, if you grew up in a broken home, it's really hard to do this without seeing examples of healthy relationships. And that's one of the reasons why I believe community groups are so important at Renewal Church. You need healthy relationships in your life. And we started new groups this last week and they're open right now. So if you're not in a group, you can go online to renewalchurchboston.com. You can find the groups that are open, find one that works for you, that works on your night of the week. We have men's groups, women's groups, couples groups, and you can surround yourself with other people who are on the same journey of Jesus changing their life and changing the lives of your kids someday if God brings them into your life. And I want that for you. Now, as we close today, I want to speak to those of you who you're not sure if you have a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ, because if you don't have that, you're, you, you are just continuing the family tree that was handed to you. But when you open yourself up to a relationship with God through his son, Jesus, that's when the power to change comes into your life and God gives you his personal presence. And so I'm going to pray in just a moment. I'm going to pray a prayer that asks God to be the forgiver of your sins and the leader of your life. And maybe today is your day where you need to make this prayer your prayer. Would you pray with me? God, there's a lot of hurt in our lives because of the ways that we were sinned against. And in our human frailty and brokenness, we have taken that hurt and then we've sinned against others out of it. God, would you break this cycle in our lives? Would you make us different kinds of people who can parent out of love and hope and joy? But I can't do that on my own, God. I need your help. I need Jesus to forgive me of my sins. I need Jesus to be the leader of my life, to break the power of sin in my life. Would you come into my life and save me? And give me your Holy Spirit so that I could live a life pleasing to you, a different life than the one I was shown. I put all of myself in your hands today. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, if you prayed that prayer today, I want you to know God does have the power to change your family. 
your next step is to plunge your past and be baptized in the Bible. That is always the way people show that they are turning from their sin to follow Jesus. And as a church, we can help you with that. You can find info about that on the website and reach out. And we'll just send you an email and start that conversation. Now, uh, that's all it for me. I think we're going to hand it off to Judith now. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. And thank you, Pastor Jared, about the amazing message that you just shared. Um, if you have not done so, please, please check into the service. And all that is required is for you to go to renewalchurchboston.com slash connect and fill out that connection card. And today we're actually going to do a special project. And Pastor Jared is actually going to share a little bit more about it. Thanks, Judith. So, uh... Quarantine and the pandemic have changed everything for everyone. Um, and our church has found out that there's a group of people in our city who are hurting right now, and it's parents. And our church is involved at Mary Ellen McCormick Housing Development in South Boston. And a lot of the parents there are all of a sudden schooling their kids from home. And when your kids are in BPS, all of your school supplies are provided for you by the school. But now all of a sudden, their parent, they're, they're schooling at home. And so a lot of the families don't have the school supplies that we need, that they need. And so our church heard about this and just decided, man, as long as Christians exist in the city of Boston, there's no kid that should lack for the basic school supplies that they need. And we said, you know what? We think God wants us to do something about this. And I, so here's what we're going to do. We're doing a school supply drive, but because of COVID, I don't want you all touching school supplies and bringing them here. So we, we're doing it a little bit different. And what we'd like for you to do, here's what we're asking, is for every person who's here today and who's watching online to give a gift between $1 and $5, if you can, if that's possible for you. And the way we want you to do that is to text GIVE to 617-539-2295. And I would love for you to go ahead and take out your phones and do that right now if, if you feel like that's something you can do and that God's leading you to do. Any, a gift between $1 and $5, our goal is 100% participation. We'll take every cent that's given. None of it's going to go to the church. We'll buy the school supplies, deliver them to Mary Ellen McCormick, and then post all the pictures online so that you can see where your money's going. Because we just know this. God wants us to be a blessing to this city. Our church does not exist for our church. Our church exists to see Jesus made famous in the city. Our, our church exists to bless people and see Boston made new. And that, that's what he's called us to do as a people. So if you could be a part of that, that would be a huge blessing to us. And like I said, 100% of that will go. None of that's going to go to the church. Every cent of that will go to help the community. And I just want to thank you for being a generous church who just believes in making a difference. And, um, you know, as a church, we, just, we, we really believe at the core of our being that while we're here, you know, there should be no kid that doesn't have what they need to learn. So thanks for being a part of that. I'm going to leave this up both online and here. The service is over for today. So if you need to take a minute in your, it, at your blanket or in your chair or on your couch and just do this, we're going to leave it up. And we'll see you next week as we close out our series Relationship Status. Thank you for being here today.
Hey, for those of you who are joining us for Next Steps today, uh, Nicole is right over there. She's waving at everybody. We're going to circle up around Nicole to do Next Steps right after the service. If you are new or newish to Renewal Church, we'd love for you to join us. You get to meet a few other people. You get to hear a little bit more about our church. You get to learn how you can get connected and get involved. And we have a ton of free swag for you, so we would love for you to be a part of that. You can join us today. If you didn't sign up, you don't have to. We are ready for you. We are prepared for you. We got a backpack full of stuff for you, and we would love to shake your hand and meet you. So we're going to do that now. Um, if you're staying for that, uh, just join Nicole over at the table, and I'll see you there.